Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan, here in London and Sonia O'Sullivan down in Australia. Well, we are only a couple of weeks away from our next running event. Just a reminder here, the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge consists of 12 monthly events to keep you motivated and help you raise vitally needed funds for our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw.ie. Sonia's created a very special one this month, our PB Loop Challenge. So you take the loop that you usually do and you don't check the oven for the month. You just follow some of the training tips on the podcast here and really just try and raise the bar for yourself so that at the end of the month, you might be able to top that time that you thought you never could get to. Well, today we've a lot to talk about, but I really want to mention this off the top. When you described making the Powerballs last week, Sonia, did you for a minute think that Jarlath might burn down his house making these <laughs> making these Powerballs? <laughs> I'm not even joking, Sonia. You, uh, your recipe was, <laughs> you basically asked me to mush a load of things together and make them into a ball. And all of a sudden the kitchen was filled with smoke. And I felt like uh, Homer oh in that episode of The Simpsons where he's making breakfast for Monty Burns. There's no cooking involved in this. <laughs> that, that, is the truly, that is the truly miraculous thing of it. We'll have to get to that in detail later on. But the main topic today is what happens when running kind of takes over a little bit and it stops being that release? What happens when it starts being more like a chore or a job? I don't think we're, there's anyone out there who hasn't had this feeling of the erosion of fun in running. So, Sonia, I thought we could sit down and have a proper chat about keeping this thing light. And the thing that precipitated this this discussion is... I guess I had a bit of a moment a couple of weeks ago with Tina here where, you know, she she kind of put it to me that you're, be, you're becoming a bit obsessed with this. And it's hard not to get to that place if you want to improve at this thing. And I, I guess I had to pull back a bit. Now, you tell me, I'm sure, I'm sure, Sonia, that over the course of your career, you've had times where it felt like, well, where's the fun in this? What's all this about? Yeah, I would have. But, you know, I probably didn't realize it at the time. And that's probably what happened with you as well, is that you start to become addicted to it, that it becomes nearly the most important thing in your life. <laughs> and you start to forget about, you know, other people around you and other things. And this is the most important thing. And if you can't get that into your day, then 
nothing else goes smoothly and everything else falls apart. Mm, and the day was and a waste. I suppose sometimes you don't realize it. The problem is that you don't realize it yourself. And it's only when somebody else points it out to you that, you know, oh, this is great. You know, you're taking on this challenge. You're doing all this running. You're getting fit. You know, you're feeling healthy. But, you know, it's taken over and it's become too much. And I suppose the thing is that you don't realize it because you're so absorbed in it. Mm. And I suppose the thing is, even when you have hard days and difficult days, you just push through them because you kind of know that there's good days on the other side. And even though it can be hard work at times, you're always happy when you've done it. You know, you know, you can be Absolutely. out there slogging along and you're not always floating around the place and you're not always enjoying the time out there. But as soon as you walk in that door, there's like the sense of relief and you're like, oh, I'm just so glad I did that. You know, I could easily have not done it. And so you kind of have the, I suppose, the pressure valve is released and then you can relax and you can do what you like for the rest of the day. But there could have been little niggly things around that, like tensions and stuff that other people notice and you don't notice. And I think that's where, you know, the little problems can creep into, I suppose, your daily life and other commitments that you have. I tell you, I was so relieved when I put this to you last week. I actually put this to you at the end of the episode last week after we hit stop. And I was so relieved. And I'm sure loads of listeners will, too, to hear you say all these things, because you feel a bit like, am I am I going mad here? Am I doing this all wrong? Because exactly as you described it takes someone else to say it because you you become so absorbed. I, I definitely have taken on a lot. The challenge here is to run 2000 kilometers in 12 months and try and raise 50,000 euros for Jigsaw.ie. And I, I think when I reflected on it, when she called me on it, I, I was like, uh, oh, yeah, I got I, I, I kind of full disclosure. It had started to feel a bit like a job and you were my boss <laughs> and that I was a bit afraid of of you and not living up to, you know, the standards that you have. And, you know, like I always think that those are the best teachers when you were in school, the teachers that, you know, didn't need to say too much. It's not like you've been leaning on me going, no, come on, get out there now and give it give it socks like you you don't your your as i've said before your coaching is less is more but in a weird way like those teachers i can remember one particular teacher in newbridge uh pal leary and all he had to do was look at you and you knew oh i didn't do my homework well enough there and i i guess i <laughs> this was building in me that i i was I, I felt under tremendous strain and probably was taking it a bit out on the people around me what you're describing in You've been through this. Yeah, I mean, I would have been through it at, I suppose, all different levels. Like when you're under pressure, when you're getting ready for a race and building up to, you know, like a high level competition Mm. and times when you start to question yourself and you're you're not sure that you're, I suppose, if you lose a little bit of confidence or something, you Mm. question yourself and then you try a bit too hard and you don't want to do anything that's going to take away from what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that th- it is a thing with athletes and coaches that you try to like a good coach. 
an athlete will always want to impress them. And without, you know, expecting anything for it, they just want to see that they're doing everything the coach tells them. And then, you know, once you do that, then the relationship continues at the nice kind of pace that it's going at. And there's no questions asked. You just keep going. (laughs) And, Mm. you know, it's only when you do stop and question things or you have to stop for some reason and you have to talk to your coach you know, not just accept the training, do the training, on to the next training. Because that's the simplest and easiest way. You just, you know, you just go week after week and you just, you know, you're, it's like you're given the questions, you answer the questions, you go on to the next lot. Yeah, play on. And you just keep ticking the boxes and filling in the diary and everything is great. Um, And then it's only, I suppose the thing is, there's probably times in there where, you're doing everything you can to impress the coach and to satisfy yourself. And sometimes you're doing it and it's at a kind of a, like you have, you get, you feel that you have to do it rather than you get to do it. And that's something that, I don't know if you ever came across this runner, Jerry Duffy, and he does a lot of motivational talks and he ran 32 marathons in 32 counties and, 32 years and is in 32 days <laughs> and he wrote a book about it <laughs> yeah. but it, you know he's one of these people who was not a runner and then he became a runner and it, and came up with all these challenges to do and fun things but when he goes and does a talk he said you know you have to appreciate that you get to do this you don't have to do it and when you start thinking that you have to do it then it changes your relationship with the running and it doesn't become a fun thing anymore. So I think you have to every now and then remind yourself that, you know, I don't actually have to do this, but I get to do it and I want to do it and I enjoy doing it. And when, once you do that, then I think you, the expectation can be lowered a bit and you can just lace up your shoes and head out the door. And there's just, not so much attached to it you know it's just that one hour out of your day that you need to have it because it makes you feel good but it doesn't affect everything else around you i guess it's the counterbalance to uh, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the training blocks and the building blocks and you know formulating a plan that you know there needs to be a foundation underneath that of well, I don't like you say, I don't necessarily I'm not being paid to do this. This is a choice and this is a privilege. I never really thought about it that way. But I do remember doing a similar kind of mantra before going on stage to do stand up when stand up used to be a thing that people did that uh, sometimes with with stand up comedy, you'd find yourself in situations at shows where you're like, Oh, this is this is really hard. Like there's like you've you've seen, you know, the kind of place I'm talking about. Everybody can picture these kind of clubs where you're like, everybody's pissed. (laughs) It feels like (laughs) nobody wants to listen. The last thing they want is somebody to stand behind a microphone and say, everybody shut up. I'm going to be the funny one for a while. And you're backstage going, why am I doing this? Like, what the what is this? And it's real. It's real grind. And I do remember reminding myself that this was a privilege that you're you're getting 
to do this and that loads of there's loads of people in worse situations or situations where they're trying to get gigs who would kill for the chance to do that and similarly there's loads of people that would kill for the chance to go and run I mean let's face it there's so much tragedy in the world at the moment and so much loss that the idea that you wouldn't run when you have life in your body is kind of bats but when to get back to the idea of losing the crack in it right some of that I think came from and I, I, I'm careful to speak to all the listeners here because we've got people listening who are who regard running as no crack right now because they're only starting out. They haven't got to that point in it where, oh, this is amazing fun, uh, that they're still trying to breach the wall of that. And similarly, there's people who are training for marathons listening who are desperately trying to keep keep fun in it and not get overwhelmed by the challenge, as I have. That, you know, some of it, Sonia, was Strav anxiety that I've talked about before that you're really uh, over concerned with how this run will appear to the community. Is there an argument when you're feeling this erosion of crack and fun and joy in your running to unplug from your platform of choice, your Strava community and do a couple of runs with the watch off that are completely off the map? Well, there, there's always the opportunity to do that. And, but I always like, and you can always, you know, go private and have people just see it yourself. Hmm. I think I did that a couple of times this year, um, particularly when I was traveling and, you know, when you had to be in Ireland self-isolating and, you know, I didn't want people commenting on what I was doing, mm-hmm. even though I was, I was doing nothing. So you can you just know, switch the setting to private. Uh, and the run doesn't So I just appear. switched it off, but it's kind of hard to do it. It's 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 hard to explain how to do it without. It's one of those things, you know. You say, "Give me your phone there, and I'll do it for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you can't explain it to someone because you might turn one thing off, but that doesn't turn everything off. <laughs> so you just want to go and, I suppose, just you just want to run by yourself for a while, and you just don't need all the kudos and pats on the back and. You don't have to have that all the time. And then the other thing to do is, and I often find that some days I'll go in and I'll go back and I'll look over my run and, you know, check where I've been running. And then you might have a scan down and see, you know, who, who's paying attention or is anyone commenting? And then other days I would nearly forget to go in there. But it's kind of, I suppose it's nice to go in there and to put a little title on your run. And you can look back on it and it helps you to remember what you did that day and what type of day it was. Um, And the progress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I view the Strava and and I like the Garmin app as well. They both link into it um, because it gives you a bit more detail. I like it. You know, first of all, I like it because I love maps and I love to go back and look at the map and see um, you know, where I've been and if I get somewhere that I've never been before, oh, where does this lead to? But I didn't have time to go and explore a bit more. Um, so stuff like that, I, re- I really enjoy that part of it. And then I like to see, you know, sometimes you can click on a segment and see what other people have been out here running. And it might be someone you know, and then 
you can kind of connect in with them and you have the social part of it for that reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, kind of get out yeah, of your no, own I, I think box I a little it. bit. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of use it. I try. You try not to spend too much time on there because you can, you know, get trapped in there like with all these social apps, I think. Um, so I think you just use it for a little bit of a check mark of what you're doing. And um, I, I, I don't really, I suppose I never really feel too much pressure on what people think because I don't really care if I cared that much. <laughs> I don't think I'd be on there because. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've much left said- to prove to anybody <laughs> about your running ability. I'm not really, this is a crazy question to ask you. I mean, if I was sitting there with the World Championships gold in my back pocket, I wouldn't give two fucks what people said about my runs. <laughs> but for so many of us, it it, it, it does kind of matter. But one thing I, I've, like I always do a little bit of reading around before we talk. And one thing that came up was, uh, and maybe this is just a runner's obsessive thing, is then it might not be the running. Maybe don't blame the running. That maybe you're not having fun with the running because of something else in your life and that this is obsessing that you might be doing, whether it's about mileage or, as you say, the day is wasted if I don't get my run in, that maybe that's a sign of something around you. So maybe you're unhappy in your relationship. Maybe you're worried about your kids in lockdown, that maybe if you widen the lens a little bit, you might find that actually the reason why you're unhappy isn't this thing that gives you the release. It's the pressures that have been leaning upon you from other directions. Would that make sense? And has that made sense at any point in your life? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, I think, you know, I, we've we've said this before about running relaxed and you know, I think if you go out there and you are you feel relaxed, then you enjoy it more. Whereas I think if there if there is stresses or tensions in your life, you can go out and sometimes you can be trying to do the run in a bit of a rush mm-hmm. or trying to squeeze it in. And you're just doing it because you have to do it, even yeah. though you don't have to. But you do because someone's written down and said that, you know, this is what you're supposed to do today. <laughs> so you, you do have to do it. And I'd say, you know, I'd probably probably at least one run every week. I would feel like it's harder work than it should be. Really? And even you. And oftentimes, yeah, I mean, oftentimes that can be the easy runs. And Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to figure this out. Like, why are these slow runs harder than they should be? Yeah. Or or even just like a 30 minute one that you've given me where I'm like, that that shouldn't be. This there shouldn't be that much effort in this, but there is. What have you puzzled uh-huh. out as the reason for this? Well, I think that's where you know the the watch thing can come into it, and you know it, it's nothing to do with Strava. It's just that you know that normally when you do this loop, it takes you thirty minutes, mm. but sometimes you go out there and it might take you a little bit longer, and then you kind of start to think, oh, I mustn't have felt very good today, and you start to think about the time it's taken you rather than just spending the time out there so you're you're weighing up the the pace and how you're feeling and you're supposed to be going easy but when you look at your watch 
it looks like you're going too slow and your easy shouldn't be that slow. And it's all these kind of confusing and contradicting things. So then that's when sometimes it's best to not know how fast or how far you're going and, you know, just go out for half an hour and don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, I know I'll often come to the end of my run and it'll be, you know, if I'm running for 30 or say if I'm running for an hour and it'll be, 11.7k or something and then i'll be like oh i should make a 12k <laughs> and then so you keep going another little bit more and then other days i don't even look at it i just stop on an hour and then i look at the distance afterwards and i'll say oh, i could have done an extra 300 meters <laughs> and it would have been 12k <laughs> oh listen and there'll be so many you, people agreeing does with this, this. Happen to you or yeah not? oh no 100 like it's so funny because these the numbers are so arbitrary and so, you know, they're, it, and like you say, said to me when I first raised it, that like this stuff isn't what it's about. Like, the, you know, that is really not at the very first episodes that we did, you said about, you know, this is meditative. This isn't about uh, you don't you don't go to a yoga class and go, oh, shite, I only took 590 breaths. <laughs> I could have taken 600 really deep breaths this time. And in that way, you are veering off the path of actually getting centred and getting some kind of headspace and peace of mind from this thing through this this little yoke on your wrist. Maybe you're not obsessed with the running, but maybe you're just obsessed with the numbers and Mm. the statistics that become so much a part of the running and you know you find that with a lot of even high level athletes like the Kenyan and Ethiopian athletes they're not so obsessed with how far or how fast they run they're not so in tune with their watches particularly not on session days they're just much more relaxed about it Mm. and they don't they don't stress too much about you know the times that they do in a session they just walk away and you know come back again the next day and they, they let the coach worry about that. Mm. Um, this is what I've experienced in the past anyway. I mean, I haven't been around too many yeah. Kenyan run, runners, particularly in, in recent years. But when we used to train in Teddington with them and they were never so worried about the times of the track sessions, they just let the coach worry about that. Love it. And oh, my God. Like if the coach didn't tell them off or, you know, tell them to go faster, then they presume that they had done a good session <laughs> and then you could walk away happy. I've done the track session. And... Well, it's interesting you bring it up. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you bring it up and it does lead me to a, a kind of forward sell of next week's episode as I am, as I said before, in the thick of uh, reading, you know, the, the runner's Bible that is Born to Run, an incredible book that has sold over three million copies. And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I've been listening to it on audiobook. It's written by Christopher McDougall and you can get it everywhere. And, you know, a big chunk of it is devoted to uh, looking at Kenyans and running in your bare feet and the barefoot running trend that came about probably 15 years ago uh, and you know the the reality of strapping your feet up with the high tech super cushion sh- shoes is actually affecting our feet maybe producing injuries certainly weakening the feet 
uh, I thought that next week, Sonia, if you were up for it, that we might look at this at this very unusual and much debated issue of foot strength and how shoes are impacting upon it. What exercises we can take to kind of improve that incredible piece of architecture that is the human foot. Would you be up for that? I would definitely be up for that. Yeah. And I, I have a good friend, a podiatrist here who I go and see. And um, I, I'll get you to follow him on um, Instagram. And he's always posting about the effects of modern day shoes and the lack of foot strength because people be dependent on the shoes and then also on orthotics in the shoes that mm. your feet just become weak. And um, even recently, I've actually noticed because I have a bit of I have some arthritis in my left foot and my, my doctor, he's amazed, sports doctor, here did I go and see that I can run at the level I do. And, you know, I just manage it. But what I have noticed recently is that if I go down to the beach, I always take my shoes off and I walk on the beach and in the water. And when I do this regularly, I have much less pain in my feet. Mm. And I think it's just you're building up strength in your feet by walking, I suppose, walking properly in your bare feet. And it's like you're stretching the muscles or you're strengthening them as you walk. And initially, when you start doing this, it can feel a bit sore and a bit weak and you get tired quickly. But if you persist and you keep doing it, which, you know, I have been doing recently because before I used to say, oh, no, I have to wear shoes all the time. Hmm. But now I take them off and I walk in my bare feet and I start to think. And this is with a lot of things. If you if you think and you believe that what you're doing is benefiting, benefiting you and helping you, then it starts to work more effectively, I think. And you do notice changes. And I've definitely noticed a lot in, in recent weeks now that I've spent a bit more time on the beach and walking in bare feet. And, and you know, there is a lot of talk about, you know, barefoot running and I mean, people running, you know, very light shoes and the shoes that look like feet, like I've never been able to use those. And I don't think I could because I'm very sensitive to stones and things like that. I, I don't like to feel anything piercing my foot. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, walking on soft sand is, I suppose that's that's quite a, a bit of a luxury, really. To well, be able to do that. Well, that that will be a great chat then for next week. We'll look we'll look at barefoot running and uh, some of the theories around it. But uh, as you say, it is it is an extraordinary idea that this that this this huge billion dollar industry has created. Like it makes it makes a lot of sense that if you were to put a knee support on your knee when you didn't have a knee problem, your knee is going to become weaker. So I really do look forward to talking about that and doing a bit more reading across the week to prepare for it. But we need to get to maybe an even more fascinating subject, which is how I nearly burned the house down, <laughs> not cooking <laughs> these Powerballs. First of all, it has to be said, I had so many people getting in touch to say that they too made the Powerballs and that they were delicious. Now, my ones, I feel like they were so delicious, but I didn't have enough cashew nuts. Uh, so 
it could explain some of the fire hazards that took place. Uh, the, the, the bottom line is uh, my neutral bullet is a write off. <laughs> no. Oh, well, there you go. I knew I knew it was going to be a neutral bullet. <laughs> they're not made for this. <laughs> they're, they're dead. I can tell you that for sure now. Anybody thinking about making Sonia's powerballs with a neutral bullet, do not do it. Uh, I, I did what you said, right? <laughs> So the instructions were to take all the stuff with the the Majul Toyota Corolla dates, <laughs> throw them in, uh, <laughs> get the cashews, lash them in there. I even had the syrup. I had measured everything and weighed everything aside from the cashews, few less of them. So sure, I, I thought I'll throw in a few peanuts. Sure, that'll that'll do the job. That's roughly the same thing. <laughs> Threw that in. And the Nutribullet m- made two attempts to <laughs> to spin the, the mixture around and then it decided that smoke was going to come out of the bottom of the machine and Tina came running into the kitchen what the feck are you doing <laughs> and I was like I am attempting to cook <laughs> now we both know that this is not cooking this is mixing <laughs> so uh, she, she, she was like, this is never going to spin in here in the Nutribullet. She said, and also, you're not meant to hold a Nutribullet down for more than 10 seconds. For more than a minute. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> well, uh, who, nobody ever told me that. Surely you should say that on the front of it. So she takes out this Jamie Oliver jobby. She manages to scoop this gunk now is the only way you could describe it gunk with a few dates still wedged in the bottom of it into another utensil or container and gets out the Jamie Oliver whiskey job and the whiskey jobby is if people know what a Jamie Oliver whiskey jobby it's made by Krups and it's a great joke for (laughs) whipping cream (laughs) even now that I say it out loud I realise that's again not an appliance that's made for making kind of putty Uh, (laughs) so it's fair to say that the Jamie Oliver whiskey jobby bit the dust as well and more smoke came out of the kitchen (laughs) at this point I was like you're going to the kitchen appliance shop next week (laughs) yeah at this point Sonia I was like I should have filmed all this because nobody's going to believe that this took place look long story short we're down two items of kitchen appliances but the we eventually made golf ball size uh, Sonia O'Sullivan power balls and rolled them in the in the coconut and they were fantastic there's no doubt about it these are a revelation and just the best snack for when you're like will I have a whisper out of my paddy box or will I go healthy and have one of these power balls there's no there's no contest they're just so so delicious but let me ask you this question. What should I be mixing them in if if not that? You said, what was it you said? Food processor. No, I told you last week. I went specially to buy a food processor <laughs> because the small one I had wasn't good enough. Um, the blades weren't strong enough. And um, yeah, I mainly went to get it for making these power balls and energy things. Like that. things. And because I, I just got so into it. And then I use it for lots of other things as well, like making breadcrumbs is a good thing Lovely. as well you can do with them. <laughs> well, I, got a, I did get um, one comment from, uh, let me get his name right here, Orion Withrich Bradshaw. And his question was, did you put the cashew butter in last? Because there's your problem <laughs> right there. <laughs> and he has a point that if you are going, oh, now I can't make power balls because I only have a neutral bullet. If you 
chop up the dry <laughs> stuff and then gradually add the butter. It, it technically is possible to do it with the neutral bullet. But if you're Jarlath Regan, you take the whole lot and you lash it in. <laughs> and then you watch your kitchen appliance go up in smoke. I have to say that I'm very excited. I, so I must admit. Yeah. I have I have used it. I have tried to use the Nutri bullet myself to do it, um, <laughs> but I I had heard stories of people blowing up their Nutri bullets before, <laughs> so I was very cautious. And then I had to give up, and you know, then you have to manually do it, which is probably how you finished it off as well. It and is. you you it just is. manually chop it up and eventually mush them all together. <laughs> It'll eventually get there. Just use your hands. Yeah. Um, I think that the problem with the Nutri bullet is it needs lots of liquid. Mm. You almost need more liquid. You can't even put too much ice in there or it'll jam it up. Yeah. You start smelling that, burn, that burning rubber smell. <laughs> yeah, I used to say that the Nutri-Bullet is like the modern day child of Prague. Uh, all Irish people have one somewhere in the house <laughs> in the superstitious belief that it's going to make everything <laughs> better <laughs> the next day. But uh, they're, they're gathering dust just like child's, uh, children of Prague all across Ireland. And yeah, I, I had a scout around and a good blender for what we're about to do in terms of our food episodes is kind of an essential as an essential purchase as a good pair of sneakers or runners. Uh, I don't from everything I'm reading, uh, as you said, we're you recommended the happy pair and their soups. And I've been in touch with the boys and I'm happy to say that they will be coming on the podcast very soon to walk us through how to do this and maybe even to discuss a little bit of the plant based diet that they are proponents of and have been for the last 20 years. Not You're not a plant based person, are you, Sonia? Um, not totally, no. I mean, I do dabble with it every now and then and um, I do like my fruit and vegetables and mm. nuts and yeah I go through phases of it I suppose and I've, I've watched the documentary Game Changers I don't know if you ever watched mm, that that yeah. would kind of make you think about it for sure makes you think about things a little bit differently um, but yeah no I, I, I it's kind of yeah every now and then and I, I can see I can see the value of you know plant-based and a lot of natural foods, um, but I also see the value of, you know, having to get specific nutrients from, I suppose, dairy and animal fats as mm. well. So, yeah, it'll be an yeah. interesting discussion. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's kind of hard. So, I mean, I can see the benefit, but then I'm, I suppose I always have the fear that, you know, you'd be missing something and I'm not willing to go, you know, the extra mile, I suppose, to certain things like I don't like fake cheese and mm. you know things like that well we'll, yeah. we'll have to get into all of that with the boys because I'm sure that they have answers on all of these things that loads of uh, Irish people will be like oh Jesus, I have to have bacon on a, on a Saturday morning uh, and I know that is part of it when I said it to Tina would you think about giving it a go and she was like what about Mikey, <laughs> his, his love of sausages? Uh, so that'll be a fun one to have. A Saturday was a big running day for me. It was the longest run 
I've ever done close to 15 kilometers. Couldn't actually believe that I had had done it, turned the phone and all notifications off and just tried to run it, as you said, at that easy pace. But it feels so silly to even talk about that, Sonia, based compared to what you were going through on Saturday with the loss of your beloved dog, Snowy. I'm so, so sorry that this took place. Snowy was the OG dog who taught your other dog everything she knows, right? Oh, everything about running anyway, you know, and all the shortcuts and everything. But um, yeah, no, I was also planning a bit of a, a long run on Saturday um, and yeah, ended up not going too far from home. I was running kind of 10 minutes one way and 10 minutes back and, you know, trying to keep checking on Snowy because he had a bit of a rough 24 hours and I was waiting for the vet to open so we could go up there. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you think you're doing everything you can and you don't realize that, you know, it's the last last few hours of their life because no. you just, I suppose, being a positive person, I kind of, you're always seeing the positive and the, the improvement and you're kind of thinking, you know, the, the vet will sort this out now, we'll sort it out. But, mm. um, and he's obviously a tough dog yeah, as well. Yeah. No, Oh, well, they're very tough. I mean, he's a Border Collie and Winnie is a Border Collie as well. And, you know, he, he's had a good life, a lot of running, a lot, a lot, a lot of miles in his legs. And in recent times, probably a lot more walking. But, you know, was always up for a bit of a run in the park. And even recently, he looked like he was, you know, getting a bit of a spring in his step. Really? I don't know what it was. He really, you know, kind of had that bounce about him when we'd go out and there'd be short walks. But... You know, you just kind of thought, oh, you know, he's looking good. And, you know, he's he was a smiley dog, you know, oh. when he was out running. And you'd often meet people when you were out running. And like occasionally when I was down here at the beach, I would go on the bike with him so that you could get to the beach quicker. And I'd ride the bike and he'd run along beside me. And, and people would just comment all the time about how he was smiling and happy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's 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 very sad, you know, when you have, you know, I suppose uh, you. I never had such a running partner, you know, who was uh, up for a run at any moment. Yeah. And, um, well, as I said, yeah, you, before but, you know, we lots, can... lots of happy memories, you know, and uh, you know, I'll have to go through all the photos now and pick out a few, few mm-hmm. nice ones to. Yeah, I mean, know, look, I, I know that loads of the listeners will know exactly what you've you've been through, and I've been through it myself. It is not. Not easy. I hope you take it very, very easy yourself this week, Sonia, because that is it's a lot to take in. Because that's your companion. But as I said before we came on, if other dogs knew the amount of crack and mileage that that dog had and all the runs that <laughs> Snowy had, they'd be depressed. The life you gave that dog must have been epic <laughs> when you consider how how much mileage he must have got from you and uh, Nick and the life that you've given him. R.I.P. Snowy. And uh, I will see you all back here on Thursday for the Irishman in America uh, with Marion McKeown, which has obviously taken a twist that none of us would ever have seen coming. Some really desperate times in America at the moment. 
please do uh, come back on Thursday to hear that and we'll be back next week with more Sonia shout out to John Marr for his extra research Brian Connolly for his production Tina and Mikey for making it all possible and to everyone who has joined our Strava club on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Abroad and signed up on idonate.ie to support the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge in aid of jigsaw.ie, our chosen charity partner. Sonia, take it easy, and we will talk to you next week. Okay, I look forward to talk to you next week. Oh, the birds are deciding <laughs> to chirp in here. <laughs> signing off. <laughs> was in another lifetime one of toil and blood when blackness was a virtue the road was full of mud i came in from the wilderness a creature void of form come in she said i'll give you shelter from the storm and if i pass this way again you can rest assured I'll always do my best for her On that I give my word In a world of steel-eyed death And men who are fighting to be warm Come in, she said I'll give ya shelter from the storm Not a word was spoke between us There was little risk involved Everything up to that point Had been left unresolved Try imagining a place where it's always safe and warm Come in, she said, I'll give you a shelter from the storm I was burned out from exhaustion, buried in the hail Poisoned in the bushes and blown out on the trail Hunted like a crocodile, ravaged in the corn Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm Suddenly I turned around and she was standing there With silver bracelets on her wrists and flowers in her hair She walked up to me so gracefully and took my crown of thorns Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Now there's a wall between us, something that's been lost. I took too much for granted, I got my signals crossed. Just between till it all began on a non-eventful morn. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. The deputy walks on hard nails And the preacher rides a mount But nothing really matters much It's doom alone that counts And the one-eyed undertaker He blows a feudal horn Come in, she said I'll give ya shelter from the storm I've heard newborn babies Wailing like a moaning dove And old men with broken teeth stranded without love Do I understand your question, man? Is it hopeless and forlorn? Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm
little hilltop village that gambled for my clothes. I bargained for salvation and she gave me a lethal dose. I offered up my innocence, I got repaid with scorn. Come in, she said, I'll give you a shelter from the storm. I'm living in a foreign country, but I'm bound to cross the line. Beauty walks a razor's edge, someday I'll make it mine. If I could only turn back the clock to where God and her were born. Come in, she said, I'll give ya shelter from the storm. <laughs> 